You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas. Great to have all the fans out there listening, even though, you know, it's been a long three seasons. I can't believe I'm into season three. Hopefully, my goal is to get to season 10 and then, like, to, you know, go into syndication and then I'll I'll retire, so to speak. Um, As you know, my goal is always to bring fresh, diverse minds in the wrestling world, and I got a treat for you today. I have the head coach of the Celine Hornets. Am I right about that? Yes. Oh, there we go. Coach Rocky P., I was going to try your last name, but I said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to screw it up. Uh, it's been pronounced several different ways. It is Italian. It is phonetically the way you should say it, but I don't have it right in front of me. So I apologize. Rocky. No, no problem at all. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just moved into a new house and trying to keep track of my two little girls. They're both going to be in elementary school this year and uh, where I teach at the middle high school. And the elementary are right across from each other, so we'll be we'll be right next to each other for the next X amount of years until they graduate. So lucky for you, I don't yeah. know about for them as they grow <laughs> up, but <laughs> that's really we'll see. Cool. I'm waiting for the principal call. I haven't got that yet. I hope I never get that. And uh, we got about 13 years to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll be great. Yeah, they're pretty great kids. Uh, so me and Coach Rocky go back about seven years or so. We, at, when I was coaching, assistant coach at basically Western, my last year as the assistant coach for taking over as a head coach, we went to the Marysville tournament. And it was the first time I had seen a tournament style like this where it was bracket style. And depending on how you fell, win or lose, you still were able to get five matches in. Right. And, and there's always a lot of like diverse Division Two, Division Three, some Division One teams there that were tough. And we didn't actually end up wrestling Marysville that day. We ended up wrestling uh, Flick Kersley, um, who beat us in a great duel and ended up actually making to the team state finals that year. And Coach Luther Brown was the uh, coach of the year in Division Two that year. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff there. Mm-hmm. And as we gone through, you know, we, 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 we had some, some battles with some of our individuals. One of the pr- people that uh, – uh, uh, individuals that – Coach Rocky coach was Austin Thompson, who was a two-time state champion, who happened to wrestle my first state champion at basically Western, Chris Shaner, who you guys, you've heard the Shaner name before. I mean, all uh, four of the boys, five of them, they're all tough wrestlers and, and all were, were pretty good making the states and, and state finals and things like that. And um, Austin was the first one where Chris had a lot of difficulty um, beating that guy. Yeah, and uh, and both really tough matches. And then we had Kobe Moore wrestling uh, another one of your hammers there. And and throughout that time, we uh, I saw you when you won the Coach of the Year for Division Two. You had some great, great ideas about how to build culture in a program that doesn't have traditional strong wrestling. So it it really appealed to me. And I've just been keeping track of Rocky. You know, at our our coaching fraternity is so tight and we're, we're interconnected so much through our lives and everything else. And Rocky recently formed the dark horse wrestling club in Celine and it's doing great things. So I don't want to take too much away, Rocky. I appreciate you being on the show and appreciate uh, going to be listening to your insight and everything else. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to, you know, talk wrestling. Like we said before, um, 
you know, anytime I get a chance to just, you know, talk wrestling, especially with somebody I don't get to talk to all the time, uh, it's fun. And then also, you know, spread the word about Dark Horse and uh, let everybody know what we're trying to do at at Saline High School as well. Nice, nice. Well, tell us, how'd you get involved in this great sport of wrestling? Um, So... When I was younger, um, I had an uncle who was about 10 years older than me. So he was older than me, but not, you know, extremely older. And I, I grew up rest, watching him wrestle. So as a little guy, you know, my mom would take um, me and my cousin to his matches. He wrestled for Warnwood's Tower um, back when they were good in the late 80s. And, um, you know, we'd roll around on the mats afterwards, no idea what we were doing. And I would ask to wrestle. And, you know, my dad didn't think I was quite ready. Um, but I kept asking and asking and finally we started wrestling. Um, I, I, there was not really any clubs around. It's not like today. So we started wrestling at the YMCA, um, for a year or two. And then my dad, um, he just thought maybe we could do things a little different, a little bit better. So he started the bad boys wrestling club, um, which over time turned into team all sport, um, and, and pumped out some incredible guys. I mean, people from RJ Boudreaux, Brad Cusimano, um, Anthony Biondo, Eddie Skineski, um, the, the Julians, um, the list goes on and on. It's crazy. The people that came out of that small little club, but mm-hmm. that's kind of where it started. Um, I was terrible my first year. I was like one in 30. Um, and I told my dad, you know, maybe this isn't for me. And he's like, just give it one more shot. And luckily my second year it, it clicked. Um, and I think I ended up winning the AAU state title. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and I tell the story of um, probably the most humbling moment of my life was when I was a little kid um, going up to the brackets my first year and looking to see where I was and, and people saying, oh, I got that Rocky kid and being excited about it. <laughs> and I just put my head down and walk away and be like, what am I doing? So, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, <laughs> I, I just, there was something about it, that one-on-one competition that, that it's on me and, and it's, it's just such a different world in the sport of wrestling. And I, I grew to love it. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of affects your soul a little bit. You can't get rid of it. It's such a, such a good feeling. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that getting that arm raised, you know, it happened once my first year and I guess it was enough to, to give it a second try. Cause there's no feeling like it. Um, and yeah, it just from there, it took time, but I grew to love it. Now, where did you go to high school at? I went to Chippewa Valley High School. Um, when I went there, I was the first, I was the oldest out of that club, out of the Bad Boys Wrestling Club to come through. So I was kind of the first one to hit high school and have a little bit of success. Um, the high school wasn't good yet. Um, of course, right after I graduated, um, you know, Biondo, Skineski, um, Mike Perino, all these kids from the club came through um, and they become, they became a pretty solid program. But yeah, I went to Chippewa Valley, um, went to central Missouri, wrestled there for three years, right out of high school, transferred and finished wrestling at Eastern Michigan. Um, Yeah. That was kind of my, or my wrestling path. Uh Uh, I want to say I wrestled a kid named Jeff Castle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his dad, Al Castle, was a longtime USA Wrestling, involved in Michigan USA Wrestling. And um, uh, Jeff, if I remember correctly, played, was a pretty good football player, too. 
He was. He was very good. He um, so Jeff was a freshman when I was a senior, um, and he was a solid kid. He was a football first kid, um, but he was in. I mean, you didn't really have a choice with his dad Al being, um, <laughs> you know, the the USA wrestling right. um, guru. But um, yeah, he ended up not wrestling his senior year. He played football. He's coaching college football right now somewhere. I can't remember where he's at, but yeah, he was a solid wrestler. Yeah, that that's well. I wrestled him so eighth grade freestyle, and okay. he's the only kid that beat me that year. And every every match he teched or pinned me, and I remember he being was in the tall. state finals. Yeah, we had a game plan. I had a game plan. You know how game plans <laughs> are. And I went in for a shot, I believe, and he threw me right to the back and stuck me in twenty five seconds. I was like, come on. <laughs> I'm sure it was a fluke. <laughs> uh, then I ended up because I teched and pinned everybody else in the tournament, so it was kind of fitting that the two best guys were the most dominant, but one right. guy was just that much more dominant than the other. Uh, but uh, but good times, good times. Did you wrestle for Charlie Branch at Eastern Michigan? Yeah, yep. Uh, Charlie Branch and John Lange when I was there. Yeah, great, great people. Uh, uh, Charlie Branch, I got to meet him. Um, when I wrestled at MCC, I went to an Eastern Michigan football game to watch and got okay. to talk to him a little bit. And it's always nice to um, interact with those college coaches. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we've talked a lot about on the podcast about how these coaches, their job is to obviously to help you to become an All-American and national champion. We get that. But at the same time, to give you those life skills that when you leave that program, that you're a better person than when you stepped in there. Oh, for sure. For sure. And if they can do that, then they've, they've, they've done a good job. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into uh, coaching? Um, I just love the sport. And, you know, after I was done at Eastern, um, I, I toyed with the idea of, of trying to go the freestyle route. Um, but my body was beat and, um, you know, I, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll, you know, coach i wasn't sure what i wanted to do and uh anthony biondo's dad actually gave me a call because he knew i went to chippewa valley and we had the connection through the club even though he was younger than me and said hey will you come basically come back and train anthony so you know i thought it'd be fun i came back and i worked with um anthony for three years uh, he had a real successful career obviously and um you know i stuck around chippewa valley for a few years um and i kind of got just my first teaching job at Marysville and I was going back and forth and then they kind of recruited me over to coach at Marysville. But, um, I kind of got in it, you know, thankfully because of the Biondos. Um, and obviously I knew I, I loved it right away. And I had an incredible, um, mentor, which a lot of young coaches coming out of coming out of college or fiery and, um, not, you know, not think they know it all, but, there's a lot to learn as a coach opposed to being an athlete. And I had, um, John Jeff fire was the head coach at Chippewa Valley when I was helping Biondo. Um, uh-huh. he's former assistant coach at Eastern Michigan, national champion, um, head coach at Finley when he was there. So I had a great mentor to learn from right off the bat. And that really also helped, um, helped me get to where I am. That's It's interesting that you mentioned that about mentors and everything else. I think that a lot of times, people on the outside look at these great coaches like yourself or like a Mitch Hancock or RJ Boudreaux. And they think, well, they were born that way. Like, no, they had amazing mentors from their athletic career to their coaching career. And, mm-hmm. and having those mentors are so important because you need that, that person that's been there that kind of 
guide you. You still have to make your own decisions in the long run, but to guide you in a sense that coming up with all the right variables to say, this is the decision you probably should make when it comes to this is very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you know, you, you find your style as a coach. Um, but you know, we can get into the hat for forever about mentorships and, and learning from the right people, but it, it really helped speed up my, my coaching process as far as like how, what kind of coach I was going to be, how I was going to coach, what I needed to do, um, what I liked, what I didn't like, you know? So yeah, it was a great jumping off point. I'm very thankful for, you know, for Jeff Fire. Um, and I, I wouldn't be where I am without him. <laughs> well, hats off to him. Hopefully he listens to it when it comes out and, uh, gets the, get, cause it's, it's nice to get those, those shout outs over the, over the podcast for sure. <laughs> so you finally, you go to Marysville. What do you mm -hmm. think was the unique challenge there? So, you know, I talked to a lot of people cause I was at Chippewa. We were, we were somewhat established. Um, we were a solid program in the area and I knew that we could keep building and, and be a consistent team getting to, to um, at the time it was battle Creek, but to the state tournament. Um, and I just had a lot of people because at the time, you know, and Richmond's still, you know, incredibly successful. But Richmond was, you know, the small school that had it down right, that was tough. And, and I really felt like Marysville had the potential to be that type, you know, where the community surrounds the program um, and we could build it. Um, when I got there, I realized we were a little bit be further behind than I than I thought because you know, as every coach, hey, two years and I'm going to be winning a title. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but no, I got there and I realized I had to develop, build the program, create the culture. Um, but yeah, I got recruited there um, from Chippewa and I was teaching there. So it made life a little bit easier to just go right from work to the high school practices. Right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of how I ended up in, in Marysville. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I saw the potential. Um, I thought it would happen faster than it did. And I realized right away, um, that it was going to take some time, but we ended up working towards it. So, so you're there and what would you say was the benefits of actually being a teacher in the building when it came to recruiting and communication and things like that with your team and with parents? So I was an elementary school teacher at the time there. So I had almost a I, I obviously I wanted to be in the high school because I thought that was going to be super, super advantageous to get guys out of the hallway, to grab guys, to keep an eye on them, to make sure they're doing things right. Um, obviously, I couldn't do that. So I had to change my mindset. And it was, hey, I'm going to recruit every little kid that looks like they're tough or looks like they're an athlete um, and try and get them to come out for the wrestling club. Because, again, we didn't have a club. We kind of established everything from when I got there. Um, and uh, over time those those kids actually did join the club they did you know i had wrestling banners all over the gym you know the the, the elementary school gym i was at the bigger elementary school it looked like a, a wrestling room mm -hmm. so um and just creating that culture at the younger age those kids became excited i even got our practice we didn't have a wrestling room at marysville um so after a few years i was able to talk edmund into letting us practice at the elementary school so the kids saw the mats all the time. Um, 
and they just looked forward to being able to be a high school wrestler. So I kind of had to change my mindset of, I can't recruit kids out of the high school hallways because I'm not there all day. So I'm going to get these young guys and over time, you know, they'll start producing as my high school guys. Yeah. And that's uh that's kind of like playing the seed, so to speak. Exactly. Um, it's the long haul, as you know, yep. I mean, you're, you're at the elementary, but once they get to you, they will know you, they've built a relationship with you and then they start recruiting your friends. And then it becomes like a, like a self-fulfilling energy there where they just more and more kids are coming out. Uh, what was your highest number of kids at the high school level? <clears throat> Marysville was a small D2 school. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I think 25, we might've started a couple years at 30. Um, but then just like any team, even the teams that start with 50, it dwindles down throughout the year. Um, but I would say we, we averaged about 25 um, kids, you know, and, and my mentality and, and not everybody agrees with it, but I'd rather have, you know, 15, 20 guys that are all bought in, want to work hard, want to do things right and share the same goal than 35 guys. But 10 of those guys are just there because it's th- something to do or, you know what I mean? I, I think it can, my opinion, when you're trying to build a program, when you have people that aren't bought in or that aren't doing the things right, it can slow the process. So we made sure that we had people there that were bought in that wanted to do you know, shared the same vision and shared the same goals of, you know, wanting to get to States, be on the podium, win titles and get the team to the team state tournament. And it took a little time to get to that point. Um, And we actually had to part ways with some kids that were actually really good, um, but just weren't bought into the process. Um, But yeah, that's kind of, you know, as far as numbers go, we just, we made sure that the people that were with us, wanted to be there for the right reasons right and i think that works out much better because like you say you're you're trimming the fat in a sense because you want even if the kid that's bought in is not your most talented wrestler they're doing everything right they're working hard and they're pushing their teammates to be better it's better than the kid that's the best kid in the room and they're just constantly battling with you and your philosophy and your your vision for where the program's got to be without a doubt Without a doubt, I'll take, you know, I, you don't have to be talented and I don't care your wins. If you're a hard-nosed kid, you come in every single day and you work hard, you have my respect and I'm going to work with you. Um, Kale Sanderson had a quote and I, and I loved it and I used it to this day. And some parents do not like it, but he said, um, I do play favorites. I favor those who work hard. I favor those who do the right things um, and the, the kids that want to be good. Not the most talented guys, but I favor those who work hard. Um and I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. You can favor the kids that come in and work hard. And if you're not one of those kids, then you might not get worked with as much because, you know, you're not showing that initiative to, to want to be good. Right. <laughs> yeah. The initiative is the key. How long were yeah. you at Marysville? Um, I think I was there 12 years. Um, from 2006 to 18 i think so around 12 years 10 12 years yeah you put a lot of time and effort into the program and really put it 
put on the map because before before what you were doing, I didn't know where Marysville was. I didn't Me realize neither. it's on the border. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it's on the border of Canada, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the few places you can go to where your phone can actually get uh, you you might get pinged for a long distance call because you're right right on the border of Canada. There. That's actually yeah, that's really true. <laughs> <laughs> so you you, uh, you have a successful run Marysville and come to Celine. Um, what have been the differences uh, when it comes to the challenges of, you know, you spent so much time and you understood the kind of the culture and the program, the students there at Marysville and come over to Celine and, and learning new things. So what was the challenges there? Oh, well, we're still, you know, we're still working with that. Um, Marysville was a different, um, it, it was small town, um, blue collar, hardworking, not farm, but, um, just hardworking families. Um, and, um, Celine, um, is an incredible community, um, supportive. I love it. Um, they have, you know, sports is highly valued. Academics is highly valued. Um, but again, um, there's, there hasn't been necessarily the culture of, coming in to win championships in wrestling they've been successful in a lot of other sports um but again you know we're creating the culture of what it takes to consistently be getting to the state tournament placing at the state tournament and getting our team there you know we are in a a tough area um you know we have to get through bedford john glenn or catholic central you know at any given year one of those three to get to the state tournament so it's no easy task um but getting them bought into we can compete with those guys we can beat those guys instead of just oh we're gonna hit them this year you know um so that creating that culture of we can do it creating the off-season training um our numbers are slowly getting higher in the off-season as far as those kids putting in the work in the off-season but again it's it takes time it's gonna have to be where this is just what you do in the off-season you know we're not there yet, but we're getting there, um, which is kind of where Dark Horse, you know, played in as well. But, um, you know, and, and a lot of these kids, um, you know, some things came a little bit easier for them. So teaching them how to be a little gritty, how to, you know, how to wrestling's a different sport. You know what I mean? It's not a team sport. It's individual and you got to put in the work yourself and nothing's going to be handed to you. Um, so just again, bringing those, those virtues to Celine and, um, the community and everybody's been very bought in, but it's just going to take time now. Right. Right. And so that, that segues to dark horse, right? like what came up first? Oh, I love the name dark horse. Cause that, um, I think that we're all in our own ways, dark horses when it comes to success, people, mm-hmm. some people don't expect us to do what we end up doing in our lives, whether it's, you know, winning state title graduating college, things like that. So what, where did the name come from? Where did it come up with you to start this club? So it's always been, I mean, wrestling is my passion. If I could do it full time as a career, it's what I would do. I love it. I think about it all the time. My wife thinks I'm crazy. Um, (laughs) So does mine. (laughs) Yeah, but I just love it. It's, it's, you know, it's my passion. So I've always wanted to. And when I was in Marysville, I thought about doing it, but it just, the location I didn't feel was the best um, to start some kind of a training center. Um, I thought about doing it in Macomb County area, which would have been good, but then I 
you know, life took me to, to down here to Ann Arbor, Saline. Um, and I started training and I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. Um, I want to try and have a, a, you know, a training center, but I had some different ideas and philosophies on how I wanted to run a training center, what I, what I wanted to provide, um, for, for, you know, the athletes, um, and dark horse was exactly, it was a play on words, you know, a, a cool name, but at the same time, we're not, I wasn't a national champion. Um, I wasn't a, a D one all American. I don't have that that, that name in, um, in lights, but I hope people come in and they see what we're doing and we're doing, you know, things a little different, a little bit, you know, innovative, but we're drilling, we're learning how to do things, you know, at a college level, we're bringing in, uh, I mean, no one's, you know, not trying to, you know, toot my own horn, but no one's doing what we're doing right now. Um, and I think once people see that, and what we're providing, it's going to be, it's going to continue to take off. It's been growing slowly and, and at a good pace and it's exciting what's happening. Um, but just the, yeah, I mean, I could go on a rant forever and I'm sorry, I, I probably got off topic, but um, I'm just really, really passionate about it. I've always wanted to do it. Um, I thought I could provide something and in a way that other people may necessarily weren't doing. Um, so I gave it a shot. I had the right people supporting me Um and everything seems to be falling into place. <laughs> That's great. And, and you know, I've talked about this a little bit about podcasts before. During our time, you know, because we're roughly about three years apart, there wasn't clubs like this where you None. could train year round. You had your you know, in the. I grew up in the Lansing area, so we had our middle school season, which lasted six weeks. You got about ten matches, and then you mm-hmm. go right into freestyle, which you could get depending on your weight class. You get twenty to thirty matches. And from there, it all depends on did you make a national team because you could go on like schoolboy duels or which, yeah, schoolboy duels or cadet or junior duels, things like that. But we didn't have this, the all these different areas where you could say within 30 to 45 minutes of where you live, you can find a training center. It's crazy. It's it's amazing, but it's crazy. You're you're right. I mean, I was going to different high schools to, to just wrestle with certain kids to get looks in high school um, to, to train for it. I mean, I remember deciding I was going to go to senior nationals and saying, well, how am I going to train? I don't have anybody on my team. That's going to keep wrestling. Where are we going to go? You know, there wasn't sound like a dinosaur, but there, you couldn't get online and just find where people are training. Um, you kind of had to hurt hear word of mouth. You know, we went to Clarkston a few times and you just didn't know who was going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was no training centers. Um, there was, there was nothing. It was, you went to a wrestling camp in the summer and that was your extra training. Unless you were able to find a group of kids that were training in one particular area. I remember I did go to, um, Goodrich, um, a handful of times, um, and let those guys beat on me a little bit, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it was really hard. And when you went there, you didn't know who was going to be there necessarily. If there was anybody your weight. Um, but now, yeah, 30, 40 minutes in any direction, at least in, you know, the bottom half of the state, you can find somewhere to train at a high level. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, I mean, just in our little area, you know, we have uh, OTA, we got Michigan Rev is around yeah. here too. Um, and we've had multiple camps that have gone on throughout the summer in this area alone. It's just it, it just speaks volumes of how wrestling has grown. And I always told my kids, my athletes, like, I'm not going to 
sound like a bitter old man, but you have it pretty easy. Like when I was a kid, and I still have the VHS tapes of the NCAA finals where I'm mm-hmm. watching Kale Sanderson over and over again trying to figure out how does he get to his low single slash ankle pick every time. Yep. You guys go to YouTube and use your finger to scroll <laughs> back and forth. You know, if I want to look up old matches of Kevin Jackson, I can just put Kevin Jackson wrestling on YouTube and find like four or five matches. I'm like, you, you just you have so much access to all this stuff. Take advantage of it. That that's and that's the thing. You know, we kind of talked about by, before. It's it's almost like I wonder: Are these, um, do they take it for granted a little bit because they have so many options and so many things that they are provided with? You know, we were chomping at the bit to find anything when we were younger to train. Now these kids have so many opportunities. You know, like I I was. It's kind of crazy. There's a lot of young kids training in the off season right now. As far as the high school guys and the older guys, there's not that many training. And, you know, you got, you know, we brought in Alex Derringer, who's a Hodge trophy winner and three-time national champion. And we had, you know, great numbers for him, mm-hmm. but it was a lot more middle school kids than, than high school kids. If I knew that the, one of the best wrestlers in the country or ever was coming in to do a, a clinic, I'd be there. I'd be the first one there and the last one out. Right. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting. Um, times have changed a little bit. and um, But again, that's kind of why I did it in this area, too, because there isn't a wrestling culture in Ann Arbor and in Saline um, and in this just southeast Michigan area. You know, Ann Arbor's got three high schools and they're in the shadow of U of M and they're just not where I think they should be whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So being able to provide that for the area. Um, was also another reason for doing it here. Yeah, I, I think that when I'm when I'm thinking about these these training centers in general, uh, the fact that you were able to bring in Alex Derringer or the means, I mean, mm-hmm. just I'm like, gosh, man, I wish I had that. I remember uh, my first camp I went to back in 1996, the Kevin Jackson uh, <laughs> camp in Lansing yeah. Lansing Eastern. And uh, got to be with Kevin Jackson and Zeke Jones and Melvin Douglas and uh, John Fisher. I mean, the list goes on about how those, like, to, to be around. And me being a sixth grader, not knowing anything about those guys. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to a camp. These guys seem pretty cool. But yep. the, the, you're with the Olympians, for crying out loud. I got to meet my my wrestling idol, like, three years later. His name's Joe Williams, who's a three-time yep. champ for Iowa. And uh, it was just so cool. I was like, oh, my God, I, I'm with Joe Williams. I just watched him win a national title. He's really good. He was – he to me, was the Jordan Burroughs before Jordan Burroughs. He kind of – you know, that athleticism, explosiveness, things like that. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I got to meet my coaching aisle, Bobby Douglas, my senior year, who couldn't even get in a – you know, times have changed now. But he could not have me next to him in the picture because of recruiting violations. <laughs> and he wasn't recruiting me, so – and times really have changed. Yeah. I can still, I have the picture. It's me. I'm in the background holding my hands up and he's like uh, next to the camp counselors and a couple of the other wrestlers. Uh-huh. I couldn't even have a picture next to Bobby Douglas. I'd be behind Bobby Douglas, but That's crazy. <laughs> I got a little sidetracked there. Um, so a couple more questions before we finish. Mm-hmm. What was your opinion of the, the girls wrestling state finals this year being hosted at Ford field? It was great. Um, you know, I, it's, it's so much has happened and behind the scenes, I know it's taken a long time to get to this point. Um, 
but from outside, it almost seems like this happened so fast, which is incredible. Um, but it was, it was a great venue. You know, I <laughs> disclaimer, Ford field isn't my favorite venue, but having the girls there at the state tournament, you know, having their own finals mat while all the ones, the other ones were going on and, you know, being lucky enough to have two girls wrestle in the finals. It's awesome. You know, it really is putting Michigan, you know, towards the forefront um, of wrestling in general, let alone women's wrestling. So great opportunity. And uh, it was really cool to see. And, you know, you could see the girls. I mean, it, it was it was incredible for them, you know, which was the most important thing. You gave them the experience they deserve. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I think that, you know, you talk to some of the people might have felt like it took too long. But honestly, I think that we wanted to get it right from from the Michigan Wrestling Association standpoint, which is the mm-hmm. coaches um, association and the image yesterday. We wanted to make it right. And we wanted to make it right for the athletes. Yeah. And, and look at the growth of it from the Michigan Wrestling Association having just a uh, open state tournament to this year when they made it a, a sanctioned sport to regionals, basically. And yeah, and the, the fun, the cool journey that, you know, I've been on through all this is I have a girl that's going to be a senior this year, and she's won three state titles in three different ways. <laughs> um, you know, the first one, like you said, was just kind of an all-in state tournament. The second year they did it um, at Rev. The third, this past year, there was a regional that got into this, and you know, she's won it in three different ways. And just to watch the progression for one person, um, and the progression of the sport it has been really, really cool to see and watch. Yes, yes. And, um, my youngest daughter, she's wrestling now, and it's really cool that you know, if she sticks around, she could do it at the high school level and actually have some people to look up to um, that are female wrestlers. Um, I, I remember watching Helen Morales win her Olympic title back in 16 and having my oldest who she's a gymnast. She'll never wrestle. I, she, <laughs> even though she loves wrestling her sister, she'll never wrestle. And uh, then having my youngest uh, watch uh, Tamara Mensa stock win her Olympic gold. I guess oh, it's yeah. really cool. They get to see that and see like, may hey, maybe that could be me someday. And I, and I really feel like this is still the early stages, you know what I mean? Compared to, you know, obviously men's wrestling, girls wrestling, female wrestling is just starting to take off. The numbers are growing drastically each year. Um, it, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And these girls, you know, there's girls like, you know, Clarissa Chun and, and things that they were world champions at their time. I don't know if they would be now. You know what I mean? It, it's the girls are getting so much better at such a younger age and progressing um, because they have these opportunities. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're getting more and more kids getting into it and enjoying it. Yeah. And, and really, I don't know, it's just, it's just fun to watch. And like I said, I love wrestling. I love watching wrestling. But I was watching the Olympics. I was just like watching women's wrestling. I was like, damn, like they are, I mean, aggressive and at things different i guess you know like we're, we're not expecting that and i mean as a wrestling purist i expected it but i was literally like man those girls are aggressive they're getting after it they're actually more aggressive than the guys oh yeah you watch japan um you know because J- japan's kind of the, the the russia of female wrestling they're they're phenomenal 
Yeah. Yeah, they, they are. They are. My last question to you, Rocky, is yes. what is your advice to those young coaches that say, hey, I think I'm ready to be a head coach? What would you tell them? Uh, there's, there's so much, but I, I mean, I would I guess I would say three things. Um, first, have a mentor, even if you feel like you know it all coming out of, you know, high school, college, wherever you're you know coming from, have a mentor, um, whether it's someone you coach with, whether it's someone you can call. Um, you know, I highly recommend being an assistant somewhere, um, under a, you know, a really good coach and learning the ins and outs. Um, it really, really is invaluable. Um, be patient. Um, you, everybody's going to want to win right out of, right out of the gate. And you might have some successful teams, but the goal is to build a program, not a team. Um, so be patient. Um, the wins will come if you build it the right way. And then keep learning, adapting, and you're going to have to evolve because the sport of wrestling year to year is evolving at such a high rate and kids are getting better and better every single year. Um, don't be stuck in, in one way or one mode. You can have a style, but you have to adapt and you got to evolve. Awesome. Well said. Well said. Adapt or die, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Rocky, I appreciate you being on. Uh, you know, this, uh, this interview is a long time in the making. I'm glad we were able to make it. Uh, have it come true and, and you're doing things with Dark Horse. Thank you for providing some opportunities for those athletes in the Ann Arbor area and and, and who knows where it's going to take. Like I said before, it's nice for kids to have the opportunity and not have to go so far to get the opportunity to get great wrestling instruction. I really appreciate you doing that. And as a fellow teacher, um, I go back in three weeks. So yeah. enjoy, enjoy your long Sunday, as they call it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for everything you're doing for the, the sport of wrestling. Um, love the podcast. I, I look forward to listening to them all the time. And, um, yeah, good luck to you and your girls that are starting in your district. Um, but, uh, again, thank you again. It's been fun. Thank you, Rocky. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.